word from God today that forms the basis for our time together comes from John chapter 6, starting at verse 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then he said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you have not believed. Look, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the word of the Lord. You have been born again to a living hope, and that hope is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfaded, being kept in heaven for all who believe in Jesus. The born-again life of faith not only gives us perseverance and endurance in the face of the trials that will surely come our way, but confidence that those trials themselves are in the hands of an all-powerful, all-knowing Heavenly Father who is using them to refine and to purify our faith. The born-again life of faith is guarded by God, who is actually keeping us from running away from him while at the same time protecting us from those things that are in this world that we often look to that cannot satisfy our deepest longing. That was last week. By the power of the cross, we are born again. But we're not born again to remain infants for the rest of our lives. We're born again to be fed and nourished by the bread of life, forever increasing intimacy with Jesus in whom we find the ultimate satisfaction of our humanity, both our bodies and our souls. This week, this week, the power of the cross nourishes, it feeds, it, it satisfies the deepest longing of our hearts. Now, these words of Jesus that I read to you were not, smoke, they were not spoken in a vacuum. If you have your Bibles open or, or an app on your phone and, and you page back, you look at the beginning of chapter 6, what you will discover 
is that Jesus has just fed a crowd of of 5,000 men, plus the women, plus the children, with five small loaves of bread and two fish. (laughs) And the crowds, the crowds had been so excited that they wanted to take Jesus immediately, by force if necessary, and declare him their king, which he was, but not in the way that they were expecting. So I've wished many times over the years that we had a time machine, that this, that this time of worship could take us back in time, that there were little plug-in modules that would download the mindsets of the people in that crowd, that trying to describe what it was like to be there, to see Jesus doing miracles, to hear his preaching and his teaching One author has called it a perfect storm. And he uses that imagery of three meteorological disturbances colliding to produce the storm of a century. No, the storm of all of the centuries that ever were and ever will be. And not by accident, it is in fact God's will for his whole creation being worked out at a specific time in a specific place. So, blowing mightily from the west was the Roman Empire, which had established itself as the latest controlling, maniacal, dominant power of the world. Their emperors now declared themselves to be gods. And the descendants of those emperors announced their succession to the throne with words like these. The good news that the son of God, the new emperor, was taking charge. Then there's a high pressure system that's bearing down from the north. You know what that is? That's fifth centuries of history and hope of the Jewish nation that God would finally keep his promises to them that he would rescue them from their enemies that he would dwell in their midst in the temple in Jerusalem that he would establish justice and peace and prosperity to them once and for all look they weren't exactly sure how or when But they believed that the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior would come. And now here comes Jesus. Preaching and teaching and healing with an authority like no one has ever seen before. Jesus is the hurricane of God's power colliding with the Roman gale and with the overheated high pressure system of the Jewish hopes and expectations. And people, we're going to gather here in just a few more weeks to celebrate and to remember Jesus that day when he rode into Jerusalem on a baby donkey. (laughs) Failing to meet the Jewish hopes and the Jewish expectations, annoying the Roman authorities and going to the cross where he unleashes people the power to be born again and to nourish and to feed and to satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. Look, the crowds in our text were curious, they were hungry for change, 
And they were filled with worldly political aspirations for their nation. Now maybe, maybe the way to imagine what they expected, what they wanted, what they hoped for from Jesus to simply stop and think about what people today might want, might expect from Jesus, from some other Messiah that would rescue them from their current circumstances. If you just stop this morning for a minute and think, think about what it is that you and what I sometimes want and expect from Jesus. Now I'll ask you before I start to forgive my cynicism, but I was looking in the mirror this week. (laughs) What do I want? I want a nice, neat little life where everything goes according to my plans and to my expectations. While I suppose there may be some who long for excessive wealth, I I, I just want to be comfortably well off. I want marriages and families that are tidy and respectable. I want a house, two cars, and a dog. Or a cat, if that's your preference. I want an economy that grows. I want a government that stops bad people from interfering with my life while not imposing any restrictions or any inconveniences on good people like me. I'd like to have the freedom to go travel and to see the world. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves this morning because the truth is we are all reasonably well off in comparison to the rest of the world. So I stopped and I started, I started wondering not about what I want, but what, what are people whose life experience, whose socioeconomic and cultural setting is different from mine? What are the hopes and the expectations of someone who grows up in poverty? What's the expectation and the hope of those who are enduring the violence and the daily threat of death from war? Of those who are, who are living in gang-dominated drug cultures? Of those who are being threatened and persecuted by the corruption in their country? What about the person in prison, whether justly or otherwise, or the disabled, or the blind, or the lame, or the oppressed, you know, the widow and the orphan? Now look, Jesus is talking about hungering and thirsting for something more than a comfortable life. This hungering, this thirsting for the born-again life that we were created and designed to experience regardless of our circumstances. But so often, so often our God is our bellies. And we settle for filling our bellies with food that goes in one in and out the other It is as if our born-again digestive systems are not working. And that the bread of heaven, Jesus, just goes in one ear and out the other. And our faith grows gaunt and it grows thin. 
Now look, coming to Jesus, it's a cliche. It's a cliche that we use to mean something like, phew, that was a close call. Something, something that, that happened that, that got my attention, that got me thinking, you know what, I should probably go back to church. I ought to pray more. I, I, I really need to start reading my Bible. I want you to look carefully, please, at the next part of this text. Because coming to Jesus is all 100% God. We don't come because we're somehow better than the other people out there. I'm not here because I'm the right kind of person that God wants. No, God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the Father's will. And I'm here today... And you are here today because the Father has drawn you to overcome your unbelief, to overcome your lukewarmness, to overcome your shallow hopes and your shallow expectations. Jesus has you exactly where he needs you to be. You have come. You've come to hear Jesus, to hear his words again. And look, whoever comes, he will not cast out. And don't miss this, he will raise you up at the last day. So have you come to Jesus? Have you been born again? I'm not trying to create doubt. I'm not trying to create fear. I am trying to instill in you the deepest confidence that no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. And I can, in fact, tell you exactly how to come to Jesus, how the Father accomplishes His will. We come to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit who works through the water of our baptism, first received and then remembered every time that you see or taste or touch or hear or smell water. <laughs> we come to Jesus through the Word. That's the Bible, the story of God, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Read it, mark it, learn it, inwardly digest it. We come to Jesus in the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper where you miraculously receive the very body and blood of Jesus given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. The Holy Spirit brings you to Jesus through mutual conversations about your faith and your life with fellow followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit strengthens and he sustains your born-again life through prayer, both personal and corporate. But I also know from experience that we can turn all of that grace being poured into our lives by the Holy Spirit into something mechanical, something formulaic, something that we do for God as if to suggest that you can somehow mindlessly go through these motions and presto changeo, you have come to Jesus. 
What occurred to me as I was writing this week is that perhaps what, what we're missing is the practice of reviewing and evaluating and sharing our faith story with a small group of believers who can continuously encourage us forward and hold us accountable. But we live, we live in a culture that values privacy and independence. Where I am with God is none of your business. And the truth is that story sharing, story telling, giving your testimony as it is sometimes called can be helpful or hurtful. Hurtful when it becomes, hey everybody, look at me, can you match my story? But helpful if somehow, honestly, and genuinely, it communicates a real encounter with Jesus that changed the way that I think, the way that I look at the world, my motivation for every thought, every word, and every deed of every hour of every day of every year of my life. My story has been 66 years this past week in the making. Still a child to some of you. Over the hill according to the vicar. <laughs> but my story has progressed from this is what I do because I was born into it. It's what I grew up with. So it's what I believe. It's what I do. To wanting to have right answers and absolute truth so that I can prove others wrong and convince all of the rest that we are right. Which led me to the seminary. To generally believing that going to church and believing in Jesus is the way to have a good life or at least a better life. And then wanting people to come and find out. To wanting to be somebody by being the leader of a large growing church that people wanted to, to come to. To slowly understanding what I had been taught my whole life, that I am an unrepeatable miracle of God whom he longs to spend eternity with. To desiring a deeper, more intimate encounter with my creator. To a heart awakened by the power of life in Christ. To realizing more and more that in Jesus the kingdom of God which is the world put right. Is actually happening right now through faith in him until he comes again to make it permanent in the new heaven and the new earth. To becoming genuinely curious about other people about their stories, about their relationship with God. <laughs> to feeling guilty that I am such a late bloomer. <laughs> to hoping that those who come after me will start where I am ending and not waste so much time. Listen, I'm not trying to be self-deprecating and I certainly don't need your affirmation. 
What I am trying to honestly analyze in front of you is my ongoing experience of coming to Jesus. And the amazing thing is, the amazing thing is, is that God never had any doubt about me or about you. And that he is even now using all of our weaknesses, all of our failures to advance his kingdom. I mean, sometimes we forget that all of the episodes leading up to this present moment are all part of the story. Today would not be here without yesterday. And rather than wallowing around in our weaknesses and our failures, we marvel at how God has used it all to bring us closer and closer to Jesus. Now, the mechanics of it don't change. Remember your baptism. Go deeper into the word. Receive the Lord's Supper. Talk about your encounter with Jesus, with other believers. Pray without ceasing. Are any of these tools of the Holy Spirit missing in your life? Can you you tell your story? Are you absolutely overwhelmed with the desire to know Jesus better? better? Are you bursting at the seams to tell someone, to tell anyone else? Pastor Sam shared this story with me. He said, I'll never forget working in the St. Louis County Jail when one of the prisoners there said to me, I have never been more free in my entire life than I am right now. He was free from the gang. He was free from drugs. But more than anything else, he was free to know that Jesus was his Lord. He spent his whole life free to invest in his own death and the death of his society. And now for the very first time in his life, he was free to live even though for the first time in his life he was behind bars. He had never been more free. Coming to Jesus is a lifelong process. Come to him and keep on coming. Hunger and thirst for the righteousness that he gives. You know, at the very end of John chapter 6, we learned that many in the crowd that day, in the crowd that day said, oh, this is a hard saying. And as a result, many turned back and they no longer walked with him. So Jesus turns and he asks the 12 disciples, do you want to go away as well? And Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is Lent. A season of repentance. A season to turn around and find your God not clucking his tongue and rolling his eyes at you. But graciously and willingly grabbing you up in his arms. Brushing you off and setting you back on your feet. To live the life that he has given to you. Jesus is the bread of life. 
The power of the cross nourishes and feeds and it satisfies the deepest longings of our born-again hearts. Amen. The weekly awakening thought for this week is that you would spend some time about thinking about your story. That you would identify how Jesus has satisfied you and then share it with someone. Identify, talk about it with somebody, how Jesus satisfies you and then share it.